0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church Podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, I do wanna take a moment and welcome you. Maybe you're new here, I don't wanna assume that, uh... You know who I am. My name is Will. I'm one of our pastors here at Elevate Church. And um, I know some of you are, are, are new, but also some of you, this is like your Thanksgiving church. And I think that's pretty cool. Like you're visiting family and you just come here because you're visiting family. Like we're your turkey day church. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. I think that's really cool. So, hey, welcome back if that's you. Um, and so excited to share with you today uh, in, in our time. We're in a series called The Church Of. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about A Church Of Simplicity, uh, which is a really great message. We kicked that off and encourage you to go back and listen to that. Um, one of the things that you should know about Elevate is that we just want to keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, we're not, you know, going to try to be uh, just everything for every. No, we're just going to keep the main thing the main thing. And um, I, I don't want us to confuse uh, a church of simplicity for sugarcoating, though. We're going we're to go, go at the things that actually matter, and we're going to teach and talk about those things as well. We're also a church of intentionality. Um, And as Pastor Colby was teaching us last week, and I loved his illustration running around and testing out the camera guy, and like that was pretty cool. Um, But I just love it because as he's like, you know, pointing out things that sometimes we can become so familiar with, like the kind of quote-unquote obvious, it's like, man, yeah, that actually is who we are. Man, we are actually intentional. And so I I love that. I love that about this church. I love that about um, uh, what I get a chance to do. And today uh, I'm gonna talk to you uh, around this idea of a church of Humility. We can be as simplistic or intentional as we want, but we also need to be a church of humility. Now, I um, will say this: uh, uh, speaking of Pastor Colby, our, our lead pastor, look, I, I love getting the chance to lead and, and serve, and the times he gives he gives me to uh, to teach to you um, as as my, in my role, and I, I love that. I love. One of the things I love about him the most, and I think it's been revealed to me uh, even more so in this series, is that he is never, he's always willing to learn from other places, uh, other churches, other places in the community beyond, but he won't just do it just because someone else is doing it. Um, You need to know that. Like, we don't do things just because, oh yeah, this church has it and that one. No, he does it because he's being led by God to do so, and then we we figure it out, you know? Um, Sometimes we know the destination, but we're just trying to figure out how we're gonna get there, and we just are led by God in that way, and so that's one of the things I love about PC, um, and he's an incredible worship leader, so that was cool. Um, good for him, not me. I can't do that. Anyways, hey, we're going to talk about uh, Luke chapter 15, story we've been in over the last few weeks, uh, the, the prodigal son, maybe you know the scripture. Um, Particle sons, maybe rather, we should, we should talk about as the, the, the younger boy asks for the inheritance. Let me catch up the speed. He asks for the inheritance of his father, which would typically not happen until after death, but asks for it ahead of time. Cool. Takes it. A couple days later, leaves, squanders in on prostitute's, drinking, lavish lifestyle, crazy, ends up in the pigs, right? And then he comes back home. He has this like kind of come to Jesus moment. He comes back home and, and that's kind of, you know, what we see happen. They th- start throwing a celebrating a party, you know, kind of for him. Um, And so that's actually we're gonna pick up. This is the Father now speaking. This is a parable that Jesus taught, uh, not only to his disciples, his disciples around, but also to tax collectors, sinners, the Pharisees were around as well. So he had had quite the crowd with him as he's teaching this. Um, And so we're gonna pick this up in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 24. The rest of the story is a little bit ahead of that. I think it starts around uh, maybe verse 12 or 14 or something like that, I don't remember. So. Verse 24, it says this, for this son of mine, this is now uh, the father again, he's answering and he's celebrating what occurred. The younger son is now home. And this is the father's response. He says, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother has come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fattened calf "'because he, had, he has him back safe and sound.'" The older brother became very angry. He refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father in verse 29. He says, "'Look, all of these years, "'I've been slaving for you, "'never disobeyed your orders, "'and yet you never even gave me a young goat "'so I could celebrate with my friends.'" But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. Now in this scripture, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is teaching, again, these parables. And there's a couple different parables that are in here. I think there's three. And in two of those parables, it's all about the person going and seeking that which was lost. Now this one is all about the lost coming home and and the difference kind of within that. But it's all, also the common thread is there's a party, there's a celebration, there's, there's enjoyment that happens when that lost thing, no matter if it came home or was found, There's a celebration that kind of happens within it. And Jesus, as you look at his teachings, if you look in in the Gospel of Luke or any other Gospels or teachings that Jesus is in, what's really interesting is sometimes he gives you a, a teaching and it kind of ends with that common conclusion. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I get what I'm supposed to get from this. Cool, I can do that, right, sometimes, you know? But then other times it's like this where it's just like cliffhanger. Because let me ask you this what did the interaction, what happened after this interaction with the father and the older brother? You can't even flip to chapter 16 because it's just about some other stuff. It's about what's more teachings from, it's a legit cliffhanger, it just ends. Like, did the older brother go in to the party? Did he actually have some steak? Or did he stay outside? Like, did he go into the party? Maybe like some of us did on Thanksgiving and we just kind of sat off to the side, arms crossed, like, I can't believe I'm here, but I'm here. But ha- What happened? We have no idea, no clue what happened after this interaction. The only thing we do know is what happened within the interaction. But I believe what's so interesting about that is that as Jesus is even teaching in this moment, but I believe the word of the Lord for you today and for us today is that we have the same choice. Will we choose the same way that the older brother did? What do I mean by that? We see this in Luke chapter 15 verse 29 we see that the older brother was very prideful. What, how do I know that? It says he answered his father. Again, he, he knows what's going on. His father comes out and pleads with them. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. What's the common words there? I, me, my. Who's the older brother focused on? Himself pride makes you focus in on yourself it it holds us into that space like he was wrapped up with this anger the word says he probably had bitterness because like he was out there slaving in the field he was doing what he knew he was supposed to do and yet he knew in the back of his mind i'm sure ooh younger jimmy you know whatever his name is like he's out there blowing his wealth like whatever he's doing all this stuff and i'm sure there was some bitterness that was starting to snowball in his life and we just see it actually happen and be revealed in this part but but he's prideful how else do we know that he's he's prideful it's not just a single conclusion he's not only talking about himself but we see in verse 30 he's now talking about how his son he says the son of yours squandered your property with prostitutes. He comes home, you kill the fattened calf. He's not only talking about himself, but he's casting blame on others. Pride is just, just oozing out of him. Now let's have a common definition of what pride is this morning. Pride is an exalted or an elevated sense of self. Pride is an elevated sense of self. You see that with the whole I, me, my casting blame on on others and you're elevating, your. remember he's like, I'm more righteous, I was doing the right things, I obeyed all the things, the speed limit was 55, I was going 55, like I was supposed to vacuum, I vacuumed, I did everything I was supposed to do. And yet he's blaming also the brother in the same breath. Now let me also clear the air, this is not the kind of pride that like when you're, you're proud of your kids, you're proud of your, your organization maybe that you work for, you're proud of this church, of, of the impact that we can, can make, that's a different kind of pride. That's the kind of pride that, that sheds belief into other people, that, that speaks out greatness because of what God is doing. Every single day, numerous times a day, I tell my daughter, I'm so proud of you Like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I tell my wife, Hey, I'm proud of you. You just killed it up there hosting. Like that was awesome. Like I'm proud of you. That's the kind of, of not the kind of pride we're talking about. That kind of pride lets them know that, Hey, when the world hits, they know I'm proud of them. They know that I believe in them. That's not the kind of pride we're talking about here. That's not the kind of pride the older brother had. The older brother had the pride of (laughs) maybe you had this this weekend. Um, you know Thanksgiving meals like with family and like you've got maybe the cousin or whoever it is who's like you know pretty good athlete they're a high school maybe football player and they you know their team did some really good things and whatever and they're talking about it and maybe you or somebody you know uh, was just like yeah well back in my day you know we only played nine games and we won them all you know and I could throw the football 75 yards on a dime you know I could do that kind of stuff like you won't that kind of pride won't even let the high school kid have the high school kid moment that's the kind of pride that stops you from celebrating somebody else's success. It's the kind of pride that, that holds you back because you're just so elevated sense of self. Well, let me one-up you with my story. It's the kind of pride that doesn't allow you to take the mask off if you were with us a few weeks ago and redeem the drought. It doesn't allow you to take off maybe the the mask you've been holding on to. Hey, for me, let's just be real clear. The mask that I hold on to is the mask of being a hero because I want to be all for all and at all. And pride shows up when I try to do all of those things and I just don't take it off and say, you know what, I actually don't have the answer. But pride holds me back in that space. What about admitting when we're wrong? Or hey, actually have a weakness here. What about saying sorry, even though you're 95% right? What about saying sorry when you're 95% wrong? Pride will leak in and it'll, it'll show up when, when you, you know you don't know the answer, but you, you know, we all, everyone else knows you don't know the answer, but you're still trying to figure it out because, oh yeah, I got this. I got this. That's the kind of pride we're, we're, we're talking about, the kind of pride that, that shows up, that makes us buy cars or do certain things. Or maybe some of us, we face this pride this morning is I'm gonna wear this shirt so that way they know. That, that, that way the, that, there's that single guy, he's across the auditorium, I'm gonna put this shirt on, I'm gonna wear these shoes, I'm gonna have those jeans on so that I can impress someone who probably doesn't even know my name. because we're so focused maybe on image instead of impact Come on, sir. and we, we, we sit in that space of, of pride here's what I need you to know about pride I'm going to give you a couple things this morning pride will always leave you stuck pride will leave you, you stuck listen you can deal with some of these outside issues of you know what I'm just going to make all my clothes the same I'm always going to wear a gray shirt and black pants and, and brooks you know but you're just dealing with branches at that point. The root is still there. You can trim off all the branches you want, but we still got a tree. The root of the issue is pride and it keeps us stuck. It actually even causes us to live in a place of fear and so we that divert the plans of God in our life because we're afraid of what God maybe would do with us and so we, we, we are fearful of it and so we get stuck in the place of complacency where we are. What else will pride do? Pride will blind you. Now, the older brother was blind. Maybe not physically, but the older brother was, was blind. Why? Because he couldn't even understand the purpose of the party. Let me ask you this. What was the purpose of the party? The purpose of the party was because the younger son was dead but is now alive. The purpose of the party was because he was, what was once lost is now found. Would the servant say, hey, your younger brother, he's safe and sound. The purpose of the party wasn't to celebrate the mistakes that the younger brother made. They weren't condoning, hey, all those things. The purpose of the party was because what was dead is now alive. But the younger brother, the older brother was so blind to the reasoning that he was just so focused on I, me, and my pride leaves us blind it leaves us trapped in this space of not even being able to see beyond ourselves. And we just get stuck. Let me get really practical here is that like even even here, we can come into this room and we can maybe watch online and and we get so focused in on why why were the lights doing that and why was the the lyrics were a little bit different, whatever, and we get so focused on all these other things that we actually miss out on the actual reason behind anything that we're doing. This is the kind of pride that shows up that like, hey, when we say, hey, we've had 5,033 people give their life to Jesus here, and you're like, yeah, yeah, but what about Fill in the blank. The purpose of the party was because dead things were coming to life. The rest of the parables that Jesus is teaching in in Luke 15 is all about lost things coming home dead, now alive, lost, found. Even tells us that there's a celebration with the angels when one sinner repents and turns to the Father. What's the purpose of the party? The other brother was was lost and he was blind. Pride keeps us from experiencing a movement of, of God because we're so focused in on self. The world loves to sell us this. Listen, this feels countercultural. Praise God. So is the gospel. That's good. We're not supposed to just, okay, culture does this and so we do that. No, we have one absolute truth and we just do that no matter what happens around us. And so this is counterculture because the world sells self like it's a trophy to put on a mantle. Oh, self-help. Self-help can't save you. Self-righteousness can't save you. You can't do all the right things at all the right times and expect to get to heaven. No, no, you believe in Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. You can, while you're still a sinner. While you still screw up. And what happens is, like, I have these conversations with people, um, you know, over the, the years of, of being in full-time ministry. And it's like, they're like, well, you know what? My, my life is just really busy. I'm just going to step back. I'm going to take a step back in faith with my faith. You know, I'm just going to come to church. I, I used to come every week. I'm just going to come every other week now. I'm only gonna come once a month. And what's so interesting to me is that we get so focused in on self that when we get busy, we remove God from the situation. And we think that, oh, if I just take a step back from the things of God, get myself figured out, have you heard this, right? Then I'll come back into, well wait, God doesn't want you to get your self figured out, he wants you to understand the Savior. And when you step into the Savior, (laughs) your self gets figured out, are you with me? But we get so blind by the idea that, oh, I'm just busy. And I love it. And I smile when you say, how are you? I'm busy. Things have been busy. It's like, what if you were just real and you were like, actually, hey, what, I'm tired. But pride won't let us because I'd rather be busy. I got it all together. I got it all figured out. Pride holds us back and listen, It starts really small. It's like the snowball going downhill, though, because it starts picking up speed. And it gets bigger. Nasty. It's got some teeth on it now. Here's what you need to know about pride is that pride will destroy you. The Bible tells us that pride comes before the fall. You don't fall and then become No, no, pride comes first. It leads to Destruction, pride is a great enemy to your life. And I'm not saying that loosely. Listen, let me put it this way, if that doesn't scare you enough, pride is an anti-God state of mind. Why do I say it like that? Pride is so dangerous and so destructive, that's what got the devil kicked out of heaven. He didn't just like trickle and fall. No, he was removed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like it's bigger than just like, oh yeah, I made a mistake. Okay, cool, we're good. No, it's destruction that happens. Why? Because the devil couldn't just actually be a servant of God. He wanted to be God, yes, which mimics a lot of our lives in a lot of situations, but we try to, to be the, the God of the situation, and that's what pride feeds us into and so the devil that happens to him and he doesn't stop and stay there because pride continues to roll and so he starts to deceive Adam and Eve in the garden we see this in Genesis chapter 3 I'll I'll just say this quick it says that God knows this is the enemy speaking he says for God knows that when you eat from it meaning the tree of knowledge of good and evil your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God you're gonna have this elevated sense of self and you're gonna be amazing, like you're gonna know good and evil, and the woman sees it. Saw it was good for food, oh, but it was pleasing to the eye, but it was also desirable for gaining something that God did not want to give them yet. Puffs up. And so she takes it, she eats it, and we know the story, it destroys everything. And we're stuck. Another verse in James chapter four, tells us that scripture says, and it's alluding to Proverbs chapter three, it says that God opposes the proud. And I remember like when I first read that, I was like, okay, cool, yeah, God opposes the proud. Awesome, keep going, whatever. Like years ago, then now I've like grown and learned maybe a couple more things about my faith. And then I'm like, wait a sec, God opposes that. And if, if, if God, the creator of all things, opposes, meaning a working against, which means I can actually live in such a way that God can actually work against me. The creator of the universe can work against little old Will and Eerie PA. That terrifies me. I hope it terrifies you. like in such a, a holy and healthy way, though. Like he spins the world on, its, on his axis to be at a, such a perfect spot, and he, he did all these things so we can actually take a deep breath. Like I can do something that would actually, I can live in such a way that I can oppose him. It's scary, yet kind of beautiful at the same time. Here's what I need you to note today is that a powerful church is not a church that has 50 people in it. It's not a church that has a, a 500 people in it. It's not a church that has 1,000 people in it. It's not a church that's the most diverse church in the world. It's not, it's not a church that has a budget like a sports team or one that can hardly get by. A powerful church is not one that has 5,000 volunteers or two or none. Powerful church is none of those things. A powerful church is a church of humility. And we're gonna keep things simple, we're gonna be really intentional, but we are a church of humility. We, we don't wanna do things that God would oppose. But one of the things I love about God is that he'll, he, he gives you, you know, grace and truth, right? Right, like his word is, is filled with grace and truth, and so when there's like a, hey, this would be really bad if you lived this way, but there's also like, here's like the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, and that's found in the rest of verse six in James chapter four. So God opposes the proud, but what does he do? He shows favor to the humble. Wait, so I can live in such a way that God can can give me more favor? That that favor can actually come to me by the way that I live? That I can do things that God would be like, that's my son. That's that's my my child. Shows favor that flows to those that are humble. But he opposes those that are proud. And and, and pride is powerful. That's why we get stuck into it. Pride is powerful because we think we have the issue taken care of and yet we still get trapped into it. But if Pride is powerful. I need to let you know that humility can break the power of pride in your life because now you've got the creator of the universe that spins the earth on its axis in such a way that's not no longer working against you, but it's actually showing favor towards you. And so therefore, if there's favor from the creator of all things, hey, guess what? I can break through that as well. Humility, it breaks the power of pride in our life as we just sit and as we, we we learn as we worship God as we we dive in and we are created in the image of God the image of Christ that we can can live in such a way that models him and if we do that we need to realize that Jesus his life is modeled in a life of humility humility Let me show it to you in Philippians chapter 2 we're gonna read a handful of verses we'll break it down a little bit it says Philippians chapter 2 uh, Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any common sharing in the spirit, if there's any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind with Christ. Remember, like, okay, now I'm now I'm not just like I'm working with Christ here. We are unified. And therefore, if we're unified, we're working together. I'm starting to adopt into that life of Christ. Verse three, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. Purely loving people is done through a life of humility. It's done through a life that's valuing someone else's life over even your own. Not trying to get yours, not trying to manipulate the situation because if I do, if I say just the right thing, I'm gonna get it. No, no, no. It's it's valuing others above yourself. Jesus, he takes this path of humility he, t- he teaches it, he models it, and he gives us this, like, radical, earth-shattering version of humility that he models around this idea. He's like, hey, guess what? Greatness, it's not actually about how great you are. It's about how great you serve others. Like, which outraged the religious leaders of the time. It actually outrages us as well, Right? The world wants us to be great by how great we can be, but we can be great in the world by showing the greatness of others. And we model that after Jesus. He says the last are gonna be first. Blessed are those that are meek. It's greater to serve than to be served. He washes the feet, and as a rabbi, as a teacher, that is like absurd to do, he washes the feet of his disciples. And with all the things that Jesus does, he says, "Hey, you see what I just did? Now go and do that. Go and and do that. It's this ultimate act of humility that he has as he serves others. And we see that in verse uh, verses five through eleven. Let's read." It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Listen, Jesus, fully God, fully man, had every right to be like, guess what? I'm God, I can do what I want. But what did he do? He didn't use that to his own advantage, but he makes himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness says he's being found in appearance as man. What does he do? He humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so God exalts him to the highest place. He gives him the name above every other name. And that that name, every, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our father. Jesus chose redemption through humility. They wanted him to come and just, you know, in a thing of power and war and take out those that were afflicting them, but he comes in a place of humility. And so we're left with a choice today just like a choice that the older brother had. Am I going to live with a life of pride or am I going to choose to live a life of humility? Now, listen, the the older brother, let's be very clear. He didn't cause the younger brother to go do the things that he did. It, It wasn't his fault that his younger brother went and just had this amazing and lavish lifestyle. It wasn't his fault. But he still has a choice to make that I'm either going to be prideful for the things that you've done or I'm going to be humble towards it as well. Because Jesus, was it was not our fault that we fell. But Jesus, he came and he said, you know what? It's not your fault. However, I'm going to come and bring redemption to you. And in this act of faith, he conquers sin and death. He gives a good old right hook to the teeth of pride. And he gives us this chance that we can live not locked in the prison of pride anymore. Here's what I need you to, to, to understand tonight. The last thing I'm gonna give you as you write this down is that humility, it unlocks grace it unlocks grace and Jesus is like hey I want you to embrace this radical lifestyle of humility and listen as followers of Christ which I know is not everybody in this room it's not everybody that's watching online we have no excuse but to live with humility why because out of humility we can come and we can worship Out of the humility of God, we can can pray and know that he actually hears us. Out of God's humility, we can be saved and it unlocks grace and it brings favor and we've been invited to participate in that same humility. Listen, we know that in Christ's humility, the glory of God is revealed. In your humility, the glory of God can be revealed as we just choose to live this life that is just open, surrendered, saying, God, have your way. I I don't wanna make myself great. I want you to be great. And so use me, God, partner with me, show me. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I wanna pray for us. As we enter into a time of worship together, Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? We've intentionally left some space today to just sit in the presence of God, to give us a chance that maybe with all the things going on in our lives and the world, that maybe we've never even had a moment to just sit in the presence of God and acknowledge that presence. Father, we turn to you right now. Father, we don't focus in on how great we've been. Father, we don't focus in on how, how bad others have been. God, but we focus in on you. We turn towards you. Father, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remove the things in my life, God, that you don't want them to be there anymore. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That you are revealing things to each and every one of us to live in this life of humility. Father, we pray and we know that as we turn to you, as we we ask you to remove things, God, that you actually give us a life that we can live in freedom. And so, Father, we seek your presence and we seek the freedom, God. We don't have to live prideful anymore, Father. We seek your freedom. Father, we ask to be transformed into your image, God, for your glory this morning. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Even as we pray this morning, there are those that are in this room, God, that have never turned their hearts to you. And their first step in a life of humility is just not trying to live their life on their own anymore, but is to surrender say yes to your son, Jesus, to receive the grace that has been given through Christ, who lived a perfect and sinless life, who died a criminal's death in our place so that we can be set free from our sins. And those that are in this room and online this morning, Father, I pray that they would understand that we don't have faith in a God who is dead, but we have faith in a God who is alive that we have faith in, in, in Christ Jesus who rose from the dead. And because of that faith, because of your word, it's not just a dead book with rules to live by, but it's a life that you've invited us to live in. That's all centered around this Jesus. And so we surrender our needs and our wants and our desires to you this morning. And Father, for those that are in this room, that are online, that want to say yes to you this morning, I pray. want to pray for you and if that's you I'm not going to ask you to jump up and down or raise your hand or anything I'm just gonna ask that you would pray this prayer right alongside with me you say something like this Jesus today I give my life to you I believe that you lived for me I believe that you died for me and I believe that you rose again for me conquering my sins Today, Jesus, I turn from them. And I instead I turn and I choose to follow you. And it's with all that I am, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.